Hello, this is Rust Felix, co-founder and CEO of Slope. Today, we're drowning in research with Heather Diedrich. Heather is a 13-year veteran in the field of clinical research. We talk about her love of tech-assisted trials, her amazing three-year streak as a finalist for the PharmaTimes Clinical Researcher of the Year, and we solve the mystery of the patient with two birthdays. Stay tuned for Drowning in Research. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. For the past several years, you have been a finalist for the PharmaTimes Clinical Researcher of the Year. Well, um, a couple of years ago, I first got an email about it, and it's um, in different stages that you have to submit yourself. So anyone that does research can um, apply themselves to hopefully get nominated. Thankfully, and um, I've successfully, you know, been nominated for the last three years. So I went the first year um, and it was a great experience. Very nerve wracking, though, because they put you in a room for an hour and they give you some topics to, you know, brainstorm. And then you go in front of a panel of judges and they're literally asking you questions and going back and forth to see how you truly are as a researcher. So you're standing there in front of a panel of people, I guess, American Idol style. And yeah. instead of instead of singing, you're answering probably very detailed questions about clinical research. Right, right. And it was nerve wracking. You know, when you have an hour to brainstorm, you're thinking, OK, I got to remember this. I got to remember this and, and just kind of jot it all down. And then, you know, your memory kind of gets foggy when you're in there. At least it did for me. You know, it was fun. And then I got the responses back or they gave me some feedback. And I'm so passionate about research that one of the judges said that I was so overenthusiastic in some of my concepts when I was trying to explain them to her. I'm like, I can, I can kind of see that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that. That's probably better than the opposite, which is uh, not enthusiastic or passionate at all. Right. Tell me, where exactly do you see clinical research in 10 to 20 years? Well, I think um, it actually should start with the sponsors coming down to all the sites and making them use like electronic, um, like CTMS, CTMS um, systems, like which is the management systems, and make everyone use electronic source documents because- you know, we could move a whole lot faster if it was all done electronically. I wouldn't have to be thumbing through my reg binders, finding these paper records, whereas I could just, you know, hit control F and find my document um, that I'm looking for. So, um, you know, I've been through, I'd say in the last five years, I've been through three successful FDA audits. And I just think back that five day audit could have been shortened to three days for sure if I would have had everything done electronically. Um, but obviously it, we didn't have it and we still are very slow. Even my office, we're just a little bit slow, um, but we're getting there. It just takes us a little bit of time because we get pushback from sponsors. They don't want maybe the electronic um, source or it's more work on their monitors end or something. But, you know, truly, I think we just need to all evolve to go electronically. What other pain points do you see in clinical research where, you know, putting a little efficient lubrication could help speed the process along? You know, not just the CTMS and the EDC adoption. What are some basic things that sponsors or CROs or monitors or study sites could be doing to speed clinical trials along? 
You know, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, with the pain points, I mean, where do, where do I start? Constant amendment changes and constant informed consents. And I just feel like they just send paper documents nonstop to us. And like just recently, we got two new IC, informed consents or ICFs in a matter of like two weeks for the same trial. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I got to have each patient sign a 30 some page, you know, in, information of, on the informed consent where they really could have just sent an addendum of one or two pages saying this is what's been changed. Um, you know, make it easier on everybody because yes, we go through the informed consents, but then I got to tack on another 30 minutes per visit per patient that they're not being compensated extra for, but yet we, it's something to be expected. I mean, it's a mess. I think a, a big issue is the lack of visibility into responsibility and action. A lot of study coordinators don't really know what's happening at the sponsor level. And I think a lot of sponsors and central labs are absolutely ignorant of, you know, when you keep sending form after form, amendment after amendment, the effect that that has on your clinical efficiency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's, it is, we got to get people aware of trials and they, we want them to be happy in the trial because if they have a bad experience, that's what's in their, that's the taste in their mouth. They don't want to come back to do another study because they think, oh, I constantly had to do this or redo this. Only 16% of patients are aware of trials. Um, and we need to wow. increase that. So now that would have, it was more related to cancer trials. However, still, we need to raise awareness somehow um, to get more people um, involved. What keeps you going through all of the daily chaos of a clinical trial? It sounds kind of crazy, but I love seeing the studies start up and then finishing the actual first patient in the door and then your last patient last visit, you know, saying, wow, this two year long study is finally to an end. And it was a successful one. So that, that really is exciting to me. Going back to what you're talking about with study startup, what we've found at Slope from working with hundreds and hundreds of clinical coordinators around the world is study startup is sometimes unsuccessful in its goal of getting you the right amount of clinical supplies. What's been your experience so far? Yeah, you know, we are a research only um, dedicated site. So when when labs send me two kits, that's not going to get me anywhere. I need an abundance because if I'm going to start, I'm going to go hard and try to recruit early on um, and fast. But I got to find a way to manage that better because I'm constantly faxing in once again, a three supply order and just waiting. And then I got patients waiting saying, I'm ready to come in and I have to respond sorry, I don't have a kit for you. And so that's, that's actually a really interesting point you bring up because what we've found is the majority of sites struggle with lab kit oversupply, mm -hmm. but for sites like uh, Heartland Clinical Research that are, sounds like extremely high enrollers, you guys have the opposite problem. Yeah. And that leads to kit outages and kit outages lead to missed opportunities and frustrated patients. Right, right. Even, um, you know, when you have a visit scheduled and then I go back, I'm like, oh, no. All right. What kit is going to have the same tubes to collect that I can write on my requisition form saying, please run visit X um, because I don't have any lab kits here. 
throughout your time at Heartland, working in trials across all sorts of different therapeutic areas, what has been the most memorable story or experience that you've had? You know what? I had uh, a couple years ago, I had a guy that say, do you want my actual year of birth or the year of birth that I just found out on my birth certificate it is? I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I'm adopted <laughs> and I just found out I'm two years I think it was two years older than I'm actually am. Oh, wow. And I was like, no way. He's, you know, and he was in his 60s and he had just found out. So it was funny when he was telling me. It was, it was, he was laughing with me. So lastly, it sounds like you're someone who's extremely passionate about clinical research. You dedicate probably a lot of your time to it. What do you like to do when you're not coordinating trials? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I have a set of twins that will be eight here in April, and then we have soon to be six-year-old as well. So we are in full swing with sport. And so that keeps us busy. Family time is huge for me. So it's a good time. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today on Drowning in Research. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Have a great one. This episode of Drowning in Research has been brought to you by Slope. Clinical trials require a lot of supplies, kits, drugs, and equipment. Slope tracks everything that powers your research. To learn more, please visit www.slope.io.